Father, we thank you for this time of gathering. We thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, the folks that decided to come by God's house today and visit with us. We thank you for all things, and we thank you for your glory that is in this place. We ask that the word that is proclaimed today will fall upon the good soil of the hearts of your people, that it gain great root, that they will grow thereby. We just thank you, God, for all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have come to the fifth iteration or the episode of our series, The Call. Life Lessons from Elijah. If you remember when we first started this, we looked at the... the Prophet Elijah and his starting ministry dealing with the wicked king Ahab. Then we saw his diligence in prayer when we talked about the second episode. The third episode was he was scared and went off running. The fourth episode showed how he knew how to listen to God's voice. And now we've come to this final episode as we look at his life. And there's a problem that we have in society today that we believe that we can decide what we need to do in order to have a relationship with God. And we believe that God will maneuver himself to how we want the relationship to be. We decide this is how we should worship. We decide this is how we should pray. We decide and if God don't show up, then that's just too bad because I ain't doing nothing else. But today we're going to look at 2 Kings, the second chapter. And we're going to look at Elijah as he is transitioning out of where he was to where God wants him to be. And simultaneously during this transition period, we find out that Last week, and the week before when he was all scared, that he kind of shook himself off. And now, he's standing tall and looking good, as we used to say in the military. Second Kings, second chapter, starting at the first verse. And it says, now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Oh yeah, I need to mention Elisha. Elisha was a farmer, just chilling, doing, doing what he needed to do, farming land for his family. Elijah walked up on him and anointed him to be his replacement. And Elijah has now been following Elijah, learning 
what it was that a prophet needs to do at that time period. They had what they called the schools of the prophet in all these different locations that they would go and supervise. So Elijah was kind of learning the ropes. And so now they're walking together. And Elijah says to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. You know how sometimes folks don't want, well, okay, I'm the oldest. And I would tell my brothers and sisters, you can't go. Anybody else the oldest? You tell them, you ain't going with me. You say, no, you ain't going. Because, because it ain't going to be nothing for you to do. And what do they usually say? I still want to go. Ain't that right? And this is the kind of situation that we see with Elijah. And Elijah like, wherever you're going, I'm going. All right? So then they go to Bethel. And as they get to Bethel, and the sons of the prophet who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. And the sons of the prophets wanted to, wanted to act like they knew something that Elisha didn't know. Have you ever been around folks that do that to you? They, they think you don't know nothing? They just act like they know everything, but they really don't know nothing. He's like, yeah, I know it. Just, just be quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Guess what happened when they get to Jericho? The sons of the prophet who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, I know. Keep quiet. Some folks, the old folks, you say hush mouth. I never understood what that meant. I, I, I knew what the hush, but hush mouth. I guess it was hush your mouth, but they didn't want to have to say your, I, I, okay, I'm sorry, I, I digressed on that, but yeah. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. So they went from one location to another. Now, you remember Elijah's servant when Elijah ran, he had to leave him in the city because he, 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 said, he, he ran him so hard he had to leave him. But Elijah, the one that was replacing him, said, you know what? You go through it, I'm going through it. You go there, I'm going there. I ain't leaving. I am not leaving. Next thing they say. They had to join and 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they were both, as they both were standing by the Jordan. So now they got this little group following them. Then Elijah takes off his cloak and he rolled it up 
and he struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, All right, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. Now, if you notice, this whole time, Elijah never said nothing about being taken. It was as if he was trying to protect Elisha from what was getting ready to happen. But Elijah's like, no, I'm going where you're going. You're going, I'm going. And so he says, okay, uh, we know this is going to happen. What is it that you want? And Elijah said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Now, there has been a, a lot of discourses about the meaning of this. The bottom line was that he wanted to be as deeply in God as Elijah was. And he said, I even want to go deeper than what you went. Now, as I thought about this, I, I, I considered a father always wants his son to do better. Always wants his son to progress further. As I told y'all before, part of the reason I went to college is because I didn't want my kids to be able to tell me, you didn't go to college. Because that's what they'll do. You say, I went to college, I want you to go to college. And so you set up these standards. And so he's saying, all right, I see the standard that you have. I want to go even further into that standard that you have already established. So a side note to this is that we as men have to realize that sometimes what we say and do today is going to affect our grandchildren tomorrow. Because what we say and do today will affect our sons and our sons will have the influence over our grandchildren. And so if we want our grandchildren to be influenced in such a, in such a way, then we have to influence our sons. Isn't that simple? It sounds simple. I'm telling you, I'm living it. It ain't simple. Because the complexity of this is, is that you have made some mistakes. I have made some mistakes as being a father. I have, as a son, not done everything that I was supposed to do properly and everything that I was directed to do as a son. And so as it goes forward, there are sometimes consequences that have to be dealt with because of decisions made before. One of the things that folks like to do is they like to say, you know, I asked God to forgive me, so why can't you forgive me? It's not that I can't forgive you, I can actually forgive you, but there is a consequence still, a penalty still, for what you've done. And that's where people miss it. They, just, they want it to be, if you say I'm forgiven, then everything's wiped clean. Sometimes it doesn't happen. For instance, David slept with another man's wife, then had the man killed so that he could cover up that she was, that he had committed adultery. So once all that settled out, 
The prophet goes to David and tells David this story. David says, whoever that person was should be killed. The prophet says, David, that was you. He says, and God says that this son that Bathsheba is getting ready to have is going to die. Now Bathsheba, when she got ready to have the baby, she has the baby. David goes into prayer. He's praying to God to save the child. Seven days pass. He's praying. The baby dies. And this becomes a funny thing because the servants are standing outside David's door saying, who's going to tell him that the baby died? We know he's in there praying for him. Who's going on there? David said, what's going on? It says, sir, the baby's dead. Bob says, David got up, wiped himself off, and said, fix me something to eat. And they were so confused. They were like, well, for these seven days, you've been praying for God to do something. And he said, as long as the baby was alive, there was a hope that God would have mercy. But the penalty for what I've done was already meted out. And so that it has been executed, it's time for me to move on. And so sometimes things happen to us, and we allow what happens to us to make us stop doing or progressing to where God had called for us to go, to do what God called for us to do. Have you ever got a whooping for something you've done like a month ago? Did y'all have them kind of parents? But this is on video, too. Lord have mercy. I hope my mom don't see this one. I done got whooping. She said, I know you did something. Because I would have done something then. And she said, I'm going to whoop you for that what I missed. And for this, what you finna do. What you just get ready to get ready to do. Sometimes stuff just show up. And sometimes it shows up at the least opportune time. Like, you get ready to get in trouble when your friend's over at the house. I know that don't happen to y'all. That happened to me when I was little. I used to get in trouble all the time. All right, I told y'all in second grade I got paddling every day. And, I don't, and I'm not lying. Every day. Even on the day I went to go get my grade card, which wasn't an official day, she was trying to paddle me then. I just grabbed my grade card, uh, report card and ran home. Because uh, she just didn't like me. That's what it was. But anyway, it wasn't my fault. No, not at all. But he's saying, I want to go, I want to take what you've done, the victories that you've had, the, the ability that you've had to stop the rain from falling, from all this that you've been able to do, I want to do better. I want to do double what you were able to do. This is what I want to do. And this is what he says. He says, you've done asked a hard thing. You didn't ask a hard thing. He says, yet, if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. Now, guess what? If he'd have stayed back there in Bethel, none of this would have happened, would it? If he'd have stayed at Jericho, if he'd have stayed at Jordan, none of this would be, he would not be able to have this conversation. But it, he says, if you can see me, you will be, get, be empowered to do double or greater than what I was able to do. 
Now, somebody told you, I'm going to just use money just, just, just for an example. Somebody said, you, they, let's say they, they were a millionaire, and they say, you'll be a billionaire if you see me leave. You'd be like that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't even blink. So I think Elisha was doing the same thing, eyes wide open. Looking around, watching. He hearing noise over there, he watching Elijah. Somebody throw something at him. He's still looking at Elijah. I am not taking my eyes off of my promised blessing. So sometimes what we have to do is we got to shut everything else out. And we got to stay focused on what God has promised us. If you remember in the offering, we were talking about that we have need of patience. That after we have done God's will, because as soon as you've done God's will, guess what? The enemy's coming to tell you that your God's will is not going to happen in your life. You ain't right. God don't really love you. Why you believe in that? Ain't nobody else in your family done that. You know you can't do that. And he tries to bring all this doubt to take your eyes off of the promise that God has given you. Because he knows if you see God doing it, then you will have the confidence that God's going to make it happen. But if he can pull your eyes away, he can cause you to slip. He can cause you to fall. He can cause you to just give up. And he'll have the victory. See, the battle is not against the devil. That's not the battle. The battle is your confidence in God. How much are you going to trust God? That's what the battle is. How confident are you that God is able to do what you have read in his word that he is going to do? We sitting up here wasting all of our time trying to fight the devil. And that's what he wants. The devil wants you to fight him. The devil wants you to focus on him. Because if you're focused on him, you can't focus on the promise. You can't focus on what God's trying to reveal to you in order for you to be victorious in the long run. That's good. So you got to stay focused because where you are, God can take you to another level. Just like Elijah, he can double you. He can expand you. He can make you bigger, greater if your focus is in the right location. Now let's go, let's look and see what happened. And as they still went on and talking, you know, they're just hanging out. Chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. So these chari this chariot and these horses all of a sudden appear and come right in between them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. You see what that's saying? He says, and Elisha saw it. And he said, my father, my father, I see you. I see you. I see you. And the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. And then he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. And that was a, a sign that he had just lost a man that was his mentor. 
the man that he loved, there was a, that was a sign of grieving that, man, I just lost him. But then let's look and see what he did next. Then he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Now, the Jordan is kind of deep and it's kind of wide. So he just stood there. I think he's kind of doing like this, looking at the Jordan. And then this is what he said. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elijah went over. I need to stop there just for a moment. When God has told you that if you do this, I'm going to do this. It's done. It's just like when we say, Jesus, help me. Guess what Jesus said? I already did. It's already done. Now I need you to do something, which is have confidence in what I've done. So then you can act that is done and operate and move in what I have done. This is what Elijah did. He said, when we got to the Jordan when I was with my father, he took his cloak off, he slapped the water. So he said, where is the Lord of Elijah? Slapped the water. Water did the same thing. What did that tell us? You got it, baby. You got it. And then it says he went over. Now, you know, there, there, there's something that to be said about spectators, right? You know, spectators always got something to say. So let's look at the, remember those 50 folks that was kind of following them as they went to the Jordan? Let's look. And now when the sons of the prophet who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, so he, he is approaching them, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him so they, they could see that the same anointing that was on the man that had did all these great things was now on his son, his, the person that he has mentored. And they bowed down to show honor to him. But see, here's how folks are doing. And they said to him, Behold now, there are with your servants fifty strong men. Please let them go and seek your master. It might be that the Spirit of the Lord has caught him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, you shall not sin. Ain't that how folks would do? These the same folks, if we go back a couple of scriptures and said, you know your master going to be taken away today. You know your master. You, you see what I'm saying? And now that it doesn't happen, they're like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he just went over to another valley or something and you just kind of lost sight of it. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe, so look, we're going to go look for him. He's like, you ain't got to look for him. But then the next verse it says, but they urged him till he was ashamed. And he's just like, y'all just, y'all went to the school. Y'all been taught by the man, but y'all did not receive the revelation of what he was teaching y'all. Y'all didn't have faith in what he was saying. He said, all right, go ahead and send him. 
They sent therefore 50 men. And for three days, they sought him. But guess what? They couldn't find him. Why? Because he was gone. And they came back to him while he was staying at Jericho. And he said to him, Did I not tell you don't go? Sometimes that's how you have to treat people. Isn't that what I told you? I told you that's what God was going to do. Because the spectators would be like, Are you sure that's what God said? Are you really believing God for that? Do you really think God could do that for you? You know how thing, you know how you are, you know how you been, you know, you know, you know, you know. That probably ain't gonna happen like that. Let me let me go over here and check what you were just talking about. Let me verify what you're talking about. Cause you 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 must have missed it. Cause God won't do that for you because you know he didn't do it for me, so I know he ain't gonna do it for you. I'm glad y'all ain't had to go through that, some of them type of situations. I remember growing up how a person would get saved and they would have this burning desire to serve God. And one of them old curmudgeon people would walk up on them and they would say, oh, that'll wear off in about five years. Y'all heard that folks say that in church? Yeah, this is the church folks saying that. I ain't talking about the folks on the street. Folks on the street be encouraging them. Like, oh, man, you want to live your life for God, man? That's good, man. Appreciate that, man. Say a little prayer for me. Ain't that? That's what the street folks do. The folks in the church, oh, man, that's going to wear off. Spectators. Spectating. Don't want to get in the game. I do not. I don't know how many of y'all like baseball. But if I watch baseball, by the third inning, the baseball is going to be watching me. If I even go to the game, I, I, I can't. Now, if I'm playing, I can play all day. I can play baseball all day. But me sitting there watching me and a spectator, that just, that just ain't my thing. I'm just not a good spectator. I got to be in it. You see what I'm saying? And so some people like being on there because when you're in the game, and you can talk junk, when you're on the sideline, you talk junk, it don't mean nothing. It ain't supposed to mean nothing. But how many of us listen to the guy in the stands? Ain't, ain't even thought about having confidence in God. Why you got confidence in God? Why you trusting God? But the situation here, as we see this transition between Elijah and Elisha, we never know the depth of Elisha's faith until he got to the Jordan. We know he walked with him. We know he trained with him. We know, and we know he asked. But we really didn't know until he stood in front of that river. Said, all right, let's see how this is going to work. We can sit around other groups of Christians and we can be celebrating that God's going to do a great work in our lives. But when we close the door and it's time for us to pray, are we saying, Lord, I thank you that you're working this situation out for me, that you're giving me victory in this situation? Or are we saying, Lord, I hope you can work this out for me. I, 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 hope, I, I hope the victory is going to come. 
But there's no way to know who we really are until it's time of testing. The whole reason that you go through a test is to see if you can pass it. We, our goal is to have the victory. We have to get this attitude that as we go forward, that we must pursue after God in totality. Just like Elijah, he said, if you see me, and I'm telling you, I bet you he was like this, and every time Elijah moved, his eyes was on him. Because he was going to grab hold of what the promise was given to him. In other words, I'm getting ready to say this C word that uh, men today don't like. Commitment. Commitment is a conscious, irrevocable decision. It means you know what you're doing. There will be no turning back from this act of the will. Now, we know some people get a religious feeling and make a public commitment and never show up again. God's not looking for a flash in the pan, a whoo promise from us. He wants to know how far are you willing to go in your commitment to Jesus Christ? Lord, I'm going to go as far as necessary. There was a series of films that came out in the 70s that they used to show for during revivals and it was talking about the end times and it would talk about it always almost all of them always ended the same where the Christians were getting lined up to be executed and the way of execution was the guillotine and the thing was they were not executing the way they did in France in France they let you they put your chest down so you didn't see the blade come down but in the movies, they were going to lay you on your back so you could actually see this blade coming down, getting ready to cut your head off because you say you believe in Jesus. And so you've seen these guys that are walking out there and, you know, they're, they're encouraging one another. And then as they're walking out, you see these people walking the other way crying because they were like, no, you, I can't do it. I'm not that committed. And that's what God is asking. He's asking us, how committed are you? Are you committed enough to go through every adversity that the enemy throws at you to try to pull your confidence away? Or are you going to get right to the door and then decide, I can't do that. As we go to the sticky note for this for this session, y'all not gonna like it. I didn't like it when I came up with it, but it's so true. Before I actually say the sticky note, I want to say this. Uh, A.W. Tozer said, "We have as much of God as we actually want," and so then that makes us run into the sticky note. Y'all ready? 
The sticky note for this week is, in order to find God, we must intentionally look for him. In order to find God, we must intentionally look for him. In order to find God, we must intentionally look for him. In order to find God, we must intentionally look for him. In order to find God, we must intentionally look for him. In order to find God, we must intentionally look for him. In order to find God, we must intentionally look for him. Anything that we really want to do, we find the way to do it. We make it intentional. We figure out a way. And so if you, we really want to find God, you know the thing I've discovered? God ain't even hidden. We just can't see. Isn't that something? God ain't hiding. We just allow things to block our vision. So then we can't see. But when you intentionally say, I'm going to find God in every situation. So when you're driving down the highway and that person cuts you off, who you finding? <laughs> Are you saying, God, bless him because he must be in a hurry? Are you saying, I wish you to slow down just enough so I could tap his bumper and make him spin out of control and go ahead and wreck that car? I was telling on myself on that one. Because those, those are the kind of things that go through your head. Y'all know y'all road rage people. But if we are intentional, that means we're focused. Do you realize, okay, we're going to do this real quick and then I'm going to leave you alone. I want everybody to take, stick, stick both hands up in front of your face. All right? Now, I want you to move them let's say, separate them about two feet apart. Now, which hand do you see? Do you really see them? Do you really see your hands? Do you really see your hands? Do you really see your hands? You sure you see your hands? How do you know you see your hands? Because you, 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 you see what looks like your hands, right? You remember you moved your hand, right? So let's move them out just a little bit further. Okay, you still see your hands? You still, we should be almost to the, to the limit of your peripheral. All right? Now, check this out. I want everybody to turn your head to the left. Look at your left hand. Where your right hand at? You can't see it, can you? Huh? Why? Because that's not where your focus is. And see, so sometimes, you can put your hand down. I just want to see, I want to mess with your head a little bit. Because sometimes we start saying, oh, I can do it. I can do it. But you see what I'm saying? In order for you to focus, even with my hands apart, if I'm focusing, 
I can't see my hands. I see the images of them, but I don't really see my hands. Did I go a little too deep? Okay. But see, when I have it like this, I can focus on that joker. I can see I got five fingers, got a palm. But the enemy likes to make us do this. Don't you? Can't, you can see God, can't you? You can see God, can't you? And you got all this other stuff in front of you. But what we want to do, we want to get just like this, where I'm intentionally looking, where I'm not letting anything else pull. Think about this. Elijah even tried to make Elisha not go with it. But he said, oh, no. Where you going, I'm going. Where you living, I'm living. We going together. Chad come in between them. He locked in. Focus. In order to find God, we must intentionally look for him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this opportunity to gather today. Father, we ask that you stir up our intentionality and that we will wholeheartedly search for you. And that in everything that we say and that we do, we'll give you glory. We thank you for this time together. And we thank you, God, for meeting us here. We thank you, God, just for being who you are in our lives. And your desire is for those who shall seek you, they shall find you. So we thank you that as we intentionally look for you, that we will find you and that you will be glorified in our efforts. We thank you and honor you for it all in your son Jesus' name. Amen.